0: Let's say a prayer as we take a look at Scripture this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're always grateful to be in this public school and um, grateful for the work that's done here, for the leadership of the administration, for the teachers, God, and all the work that they do here, for every child that comes in. We pray as a church that they would feel loved, that they would know, um, that you know even the number of hairs on each of their little heads, God, you care about them that much that you have uh, a future in mind for them, God, that you've created them for a purpose. Um, Lord, that they would come to know that. Uh, that this would be a safe place for them to learn and grow um, and feel your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome everybody. We're on the last Sunday of a teaching series that we've been calling Asking for a Friend. And if you're unfamiliar with the hashtag, it's kind of a funny social media way to ask a question that's really your question but you don't want to own it as your own question. But then, you know, as soon as you post it, everybody knows it's your question. I don't know. I'm not very good at social media, so I don't know. The anonymity thing doesn't seem to be working out that well to me. We've been using it um, as a church to say we've noticed in our community that sometimes some of us are struggling with things and it's kind of hard to admit that we're struggling with things. And we want to be a community that feels safer and safer to say, here's what's really going on in my life. And so we're using the phrase in kind of a funny way, but also a very serious way to say, some of us have some questions that we'd rather label asking for a friend, but there really are questions. And we need to learn um, how to step into some of the things that are really going on in our lives. And so we've covered lots of topics over the last four or five weeks. And mostly tried to give you steps to say, here's how you step into these kinds of things that you know are happening in your life, but might be hard for you to address. So as I was was thinking about the last sermon in this conversation, I thought, today let's focus on our own need for forgiveness. Our own need for healing, uh, our own need to be the kind of change that we want to see in these world problems that we're all aware of and that we would love to fix. And as I was thinking about that, I remembered this—a um, handful of stories from these churches in Central New York State, Central New York State—that I've been working with. And uh, what I've been trying to do with them is help them to engage their neighborhood in some new ways, to engage their community in some new ways. And so, one of the things that we came up with as an experiment over the summer was. What if, uh, what if they looked at the way in which their community was already celebrating? So things like county fairs and 4th of July celebrations and lots of these churches in small towns, and every small town has its own like, summer party. Maybe you've noticed that in northern Minnesota or Wisconsin. Uh, and so they, they came up, we came up with this idea of uh, what we call the prayer cloth experiment. I have some pictures here for you to take a look at it. Here's how it worked. So a team from each church would get permission... Uh, at one of these fairs, to put up a booth and put their church name on the booth. And then they would bring, they would prepare these strips of cloth that they would then invite people at the fair or the party or whatever was going on to just write a prayer request that they have on these little pieces of cloth. And then if you go to the next picture, you can see like they, they put these little displays up and they would tie off all the little cloths on the display. I think they just did this one last week. I stole this off of Facebook. So they They were giving out candy, and they were also asking people what they need prayer for. And a lot of these folks were kind of terrified to do this. They thought, no one wants to talk to us. It's going to be weird. They're going to think we're shoving religion down their throat or something. But what they discovered was, actually, lots of people wanted to write their prayers down. And across, I think, 12 or 13 churches that did this over the summer, they collected thousands of prayer requests. And they took some of the strips of cloth, a lot of them, and they went back and actually made uh, like blankets out of them that they could lay on uh, their table, like their communion table or altar table in the worship service, and they can just read uh, prayer requests from the community right off the blanket. It's pretty awesome. And as we were talking about it uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was with them, they started to say, what we've recognized is that a lot of the themes that came out of these prayer requests, things like, They were experiencing division in their life. Uh, They had a lot of political anxiety. They had physical illnesses they were dealing with. They had work concerns or financial problems. They were grieving a loss. They were looking for the restoration of relationships. They could see all these themes and recognize, hey, we're struggling with all the same things that these folks from the community say they're struggling with. And kind of the distance between the church people and the community people got just a little bit smaller, I think. So one of the things they learned is, Um, Wow, if we're thinking about fixing big world problems, whatever those world problems might be, or even community problems, the best place for us to start is to examine how we need to experience renewal and healing and forgiveness in order to help become a community of people who can offer healing and forgiveness and peace in in our local context. And so this reality that whatever change we want to see out there uh, has to start in here. And that's real simple, but my sense of just listening to everyone talk about whatever lately is that it's a lot easier for all of us to externalize these problems and kind of say it's these folks that are causing this problem or those folks or this way of thinking or that way of thinking. And and I don't hear a lot, just in casual conversation, maybe you can think about whether you do, I don't hear a lot of people saying, well, here's my problem, here's where I'm failing, here's, here's my struggle, and my struggle's making life worse for other people. I don't hear a lot of people saying that. Or posting that on Facebook, sorry everybody, I've failed you this week, here are all the ways I've failed you. I wish I hadn't, I'll try to do better next week. Maybe somebody can experiment with that post this week. See how it goes? I want to talk today about the need for us to have healing in each of our own hearts and in our collective heart as Mill City Church. I want us to acknowledge for a moment anyway on a Sunday morning that we all have dark places that we're struggling with and that we need God to shine light as Stephanie was praying just a minute ago to bring forgiveness and to bring healing continually into our lives as the beginning of becoming a healing presence in the world and so we're going to finish this series up by talking about our own need for forgiveness and for healing and for actually doing some of that um, asking and, and and receiving from god today so we're going to take a look at a passage from first uh, john chapter one if you have a bible and you want to turn there otherwise it'll be available for you on the screen here's a, a book that was written a while after jesus died and was, and was resurrected. And it's written, uh, it started out by saying, hey, we're a bunch of witnesses who saw Jesus and experienced Him and learned who He was and, and saw Him firsthand. And we want to write these things down so that you all will believe in what He told us and what He taught us and who He was. And right away in the first chapter, they go right to this same theme of light and darkness, sin and forgiveness. And so I want to read that passage to you this morning. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His Word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So let's unpack this passage a little bit uh, and think about our own need for this forgiveness and honesty and authenticity and healing. He starts out by saying, essentially, hypocrisy is dark and honesty is light. And we have lots of conversations within Mill City Church about how damaging hypocrisy is in the church and everywhere else. And he's simply saying here, look, you can't claim to walk with God and yet live in the darkness. And specifically, the darkness in this first couple chapters is later named in a passage I didn't read to you as hatred for your brother and sister. That if you are claiming to know God and walk in the light, but you still have hatred for your brother or your sister, then you don't know God. And the darkness, um, when, as we tend to hide that darkness, and we try to display the good, we make the darkness worse when we pretend we don't have any in us. And instead, there's this incredible freedom and healing comes when we admit there's darkness going on. In my life, in the world, in our community, what are we going to do about it? Instead of pretending it doesn't exist, naming it and saying, Jesus has a way to deal with this that we need to pursue. It struck me that there is a lot of hatred for brothers and sisters right now in our, in our culture, in our community. It's a lot easier to hate someone who's different from you or thinks different from you than it is to love them. And Scripture seems pretty clear that even when you disagree with someone, even if someone is considered your enemy, Jesus calls us to love those people, not hate them. And so there's this darkness that I think, even though John wrote this a couple, uh, 20 centuries ago, we're still dealing with, we're still fighting it off. The next point here out of the text is that we're all contributing to the problem we are facing. Again, this is is the post that I'm not noticing on social media or anywhere else really where someone's leading off the conversation that's saying, I know that my own mistakes and my own sins and my own faults contribute to the overall challenges that we're all facing. The Scripture says, if we claim to have no part in the challenges we're facing, if we externalize everything as everyone else's problem, then... Not only are we still in the darkness, but it goes so far as to say that means you're calling God a liar. Because God is trying to show each one of us that we're all contributing to the problem. That we all have some responsibility to say, I know that I'm at fault, that I have mistakes, that I have sins that I need to own up for. Man, isn't it just so much easier to blame somebody else for something than to take responsibility? I'm I'm pretty good at this, I've found. I can find someone else to blame. Like if I work at it, right? If I sit down and say, all right, here's a task. This didn't go well. i got to find somebody to blame. I can do it 100% of the time. Maybe you can too. And it's much, much harder to say, okay, what's really my part of this what's really my responsibility here what can I own what can I fix how can I um, be the person who acknowledges my own fallenness my own sinfulness then it goes on to say in chapter 2 that God's response to sin is Jesus Christ and this is where I really want to highlight today the difference between a Christian response to sin And a humanist response to sin, for instance. We live in a world where humanism seems to be the the most popular thought of the day, right? A humanist response is, we can fix it by getting smarter, by educating people, by getting people to see things correctly, by appropriately uh, directing resources, and while none of those things are bad, they don't address the deepest problem, which is our own nature, They don't address the deepest problem where God says, look, you are called to avoid sin, but you couldn't do it. And so instead of asking you to do something you couldn't do, Jesus comes to earth as a sinless person and offers himself as a sacrifice, as a a redemptive um, act on the cross and also defeating the power of evil and sin and death so that we can all have a different kind of victory in our lives. That's the Christian response to sin. And so God's response to sin is grace. It says, look, we're writing to you, chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 1, we're writing to you so you can avoid sin. But if you don't, if you get caught up in sin, there's somebody who wants to advocate for you. Who wants to say, there's a way to find forgiveness and grace through Jesus Christ our Savior. And not just you, not just your mistakes or my mistakes, but the sins of the whole world can be addressed through this trust in Jesus Christ. That's the solution the text offers us. And so what do we do about this? Um, How how can we step into these things that maybe we're more comfortable saying we're asking for a friend than owning ourselves? This verse 9 in chapter 1 of 1 John really helps us zero in on one action we can take. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Every one of us battles with sin in our lives. Every one of us in the room has a battle with something that is not what God intended for us. Naming that and owning it disarms it. Naming it and owning it disarms it. Sin loses its power over us when we call it out in our own lives. Sin thrives in our lives when we hide it, when we cover it up, and when we pretend it isn't there. And so as we look at this text, we find that confession is a gift from God. It's not a shaming thing. It's not a guilt-based thing. It's a powerful tool that God has given us to be continually made free from the weight of our sins. An honest confession leads us to forgiveness and forgiveness becomes healing and healing becomes joy and joy becomes love towards other people. Because we don't have to judge them and make them be worse than us or make them be our enemy. We can say, yeah, I, I get it. I have my own issues that I have to continually bring to Jesus and allow for forgiveness and freedom to come into my life. And I understand that that's your struggle too and our struggle together. But because we both acknowledge that, we can maybe find a way forward. I have some personal practices that I use to do this confession so that you don't have to just think about confession when you come to worship. Here are some of the things that I do regularly. Maybe you want to try one of these out this week. Let me invite the band to come back up. Confessing out loud in the car by myself is one of my favorite confession moments. Nobody else is there. Make sure you haven't accidentally called somebody because that would be weird. But, but it's different just saying it in your head than saying it out loud. When you're driving somewhere, you have some other period of time where you're by yourself. Try this out this week. Name one thing out loud that you know you're struggling with or that you did that you wished you hadn't done and ask for God's forgiveness and see if you don't almost immediately feel differently about it. I like to write out prayers to God that include confessions. I like to write them out on paper. You know, remember paper? I like to write them out and say, God, these are the things that I need your forgiveness for. I like to try to think carefully about any big picture problem I'm upset about and see if there's any part of it that I can own, right? So trivial example is if you're real mad about how bad everybody drives, consider that maybe you're the problem once in a while, right? That's trivial. Uh, That's a trivial problem, you know, but bigger picture, you know, consider for me at least, I think I try to think a lot about the ways in which racism is making life difficult and terrible for lots of people, and then I have to figure out what's my part to own in the way in which that's happening, especially as a white guy with lots of privilege and power. Healing uh, through confession should be something that we freely embrace and practice because it gets us free from the crap that's holding us back. It's not something we should fight off and push off. and and ignore because it's the way that Jesus sets us free to be the people that God created us to be. And it also gives permission to everyone else in your life to say, yeah, I've got some stuff I'd rather not talk about. I'd rather post it as asking for a friend. But when I really enter into it and I receive the forgiveness that Jesus has for me, there's some freedom that I can't experience any other way. We need a regular practice of confessing our sins on Sunday mornings and everywhere else. So that God can continually bring this healing and forgiveness into our lives. Into our hearts. So that we can be people who become community of healing and peace in the midst of a world who's desperate for both of those things. If we experience God's healing, we can be a community of healing for other people. And so what I want to do this morning is just take a couple of minutes to actually give you the chance, uh, while the band plays a, a song kind of softly, to confess something. Uh, you can do it out loud, but I think that'll be awkward for everyone. So maybe just confess it uh, to yourself in silence, but consider confessing it to somebody else, maybe after the worship service today, um, and allowing them to pray for you. I'm going to put this confession up on the screen, and I invite you to just use it uh, in silence over the next couple minutes. So, so let me read it. Lord God, We have sinned against you. We have done evil in your sight. We are sorry and we repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us and restore us to the joy of your salvation. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So we're going to just have silence, uh, you know, relative silence in the room for a couple of minutes. I just invite you to reflect on your own life and see if there's any place that you need God's forgiveness and healing and ask for it. And then I'll introduce communion in just a few moments. me invite the communion servers to come forward and get the communion ready uh, every time we introduce communion we say that you don't have to be a part of mill city church to participate in this you simply have to be a follower of jesus so if you want to when you're ready you come forward you grab a piece of gluten-free bread and you dip it in the juice uh, the bread representing christ's sacrifice on the cross the blood or the juice representing blood shed on the cross for us But today, I also wanna invite you to see receiving of communion as a confession. And uh, a confession of faith, a confession of your need for forgiveness. And so, um, even as the music is playing, I wanna invite you to say this along with me. Would you, this confession that's on the screen, if you feel comfortable? We're not very good at this as a church. We're struggling. As I start, you don't know when to start, so we're gonna all start together, all right? And if you're a little behind, you just catch up. We can do it. You ready? All right, on three. One, two, three. I believe that Jesus died for my sins and the sins of the world. I admit that I need God's forgiveness, healing, and freedom. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and by trusting him, I will too. I give Jesus authority to be the leader of my whole life. I want to follow wherever he leads. I know that the Holy Spirit lives in me and will guide me to join God's work in the world. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that even though every one of us is broken people, even though nobody in the room has it together, God, that no one has earned some special status in your eyes other than we are sons and daughters of you who love you and trust you and put our faith in you. We're all equal in your eyes in those ways, God, and so we're grateful, Jesus, for what you have done for us, that you haven't waited for us to get it right, but you got it right for us. That you haven't waited for us to realize that we needed healing, but you went and got the healing for us. God, you didn't wait for us to find you. You came and you found us. And so we pray, God, as we humbly come forward today that you would help us to receive the forgiveness that you offer to us, God. Help us to feel forgiven, not just think it in our heads. And as we walk back to our chairs, God, and then out into our lives, we pray that you would make us people of healing, of peace. That you would help us to display your love for the world and your invitation to healing and forgiveness as we go out. In Jesus' name we pray amen. There'll be people on the walls who are willing to pray for you. And if today you're thinking of something specific, but you don't want to share it, just go up to a person along the wall and say, would you just please pray for me to experience healing, to experience forgiveness? Or if you want to share something more specific with them, you can. They love praying for you. It's a powerful moment for lots of us as we celebrate communion. So feel free to do that as you come and take communion. Whenever you're ready, you can come forward.